iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Ruck. It's a sunny autumn day in London. I hope it's the same way you are. The... Autumn Internationals, guests getting into full swing, and to discuss those, uh, I have a fantastic panel sitting in front of me looking expectant. And first of all, Alex, where were you on the weekend? Hi, Jonesy, Cardiff. Went to Wales, New Zealand. Um, I really enjoyed the experience. I, we, we spoke about the issues around the game and why it was on, and uh, and I enjoyed I enjoyed Wales' fight for an hour, and then that kind of, those three tries in 15 minutes in the way that, that New Zealand turned it on at the end but um, yeah down. very impressive that was none other than Alex Lowe the number one writer on the Times <laughs> Mark Evans I expect you were doing business somewhere but where was that? I was in Cardiff as well okay. which is very unusual I haven't been to an international in Cardiff my hometown for many many years uh, and then I went uh, and then I went to the Stoop to watch Quinns against Saracens and third member of our panel Jessica Hayden Jess, account for your movements on the weekend? I was at the Wales-New Zealand match completely as a fan. I was there. It was the first game that, the first game of the Principality that I've attended as a fan for a couple of years now, as, as is everyone really, but it was fantastic. It was a really good atmosphere there. But that's our panel, and we're going to dig in now to the Autumn Internationals. Well, you've met our panel. Uh, also, we have a special guest later on with Simon Middleton, the Red Roses coach, will be speaking to us. And uh, he's the man of the moment. And what a day with the, the Red Roses had in the West Country yesterday. We'll be coming to that and talking about it at length. First of all, um, Autumn Internationals. Um, Mark, I don't think you are quite as gloomy as many other Welsh people about that game. Why was that? Well, I think you have to recognise that It was some way off Wales's first team, and for reasons that you know have been chewed over at length and rather tediously in the last ten days. But the fact is that injuries also had quite a big impact, um, and therefore you looked at the side at the beginning and thought, well, you know what, that we're going to lose. Uh, you know, ninety play this game a hundred times, we're going to lose ninety nine times. So when you're in that situation, and I suppose it's my old coaching background, you think, well. What can I learn from this? And are there some promising signs? And I'll be honest, and this is maybe a contrarian view, I didn't think the All Blacks were all that good. A contrarian view? You? <laughs> I, I honestly, Never. I honestly didn't think the All Blacks were all that good. Partic until, apart from an absolutely golden ten minutes, when they brought the bench on and they pushed the pace up and they looked absolutely glorious. But for quite a long period of that time... I just thought the Welsh set piece let them down. Mm. They 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 buried three lineouts in within five to ten meters. Lost them all, you know, which you get when you've got an inexperienced hooker and and, and all the rest of it. Um, and then they uh, Griff got done for two penalties from scrums. One of which I must have thought looked quite dodgy, but that, that's the way it goes. So the scrum didn't quite hold up. The line-out didn't function at key moments, and we gave an intercept try to give them a seven-point head start. And yet, with 60 minutes gone, we were within 12 points. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think we made a selection error as well, because it's lovely to see Gareth Hanscombe back on an international field after off the horrendous injuries he's had, but he's not ready. No, and, 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 and when Rhys Priestland came on, and I know it's horrible, I'm not trying to be wise after the event, because... 
you make your selection the best you can. He, the coach has a lot more information and data than any of us will have, and he made his call. Nevertheless, it's important to comment, it looked like it was the wrong call. When Reese Priestland came on, he played much closer to the line. The whole thing looked much threatening. We haven't got a lot of punch in the middle. Jonathan Davis, I'm afraid, is not the player that he was. Um, but we looked competitive. Mm. And I thought, sorry, it's a bit long-winded. I thought Aaron Wainwright was mm. absolutely outstanding. And um, he's not in the first-choice team uh, at mm. the moment. And I also thought the young kid, uh, Basham, was, was really good too. Yes. Um, what was the what was the word on the streets near where you were at uh, at Cardiff? Um, miserable, or was there any um, uh, silver lining that just Mark's just found? I have to be completely honest and say it was a joyous atmosphere in the stadium, despite the score. I had to be in the stadium two and a half hours early, as was the way because of COVID, and that gave me plenty of time to watch the teams prepare and the warm ups. I was there about an hour and a half before the team started warming up. And it's interesting when you said about the line-out because we were watching the line-out practice and they did three line-outs and every single one failed. Mm. And it was Adam Beard jumping and he was fading to catch and then they, they tried the, the long pass and that didn't work and then they were trying near the front, didn't work and it just wasn't working and they, they stopped practising the line-out and part of me thought, well, actually, the stadium is so busy at this time. It was almost full as people watching this warm-up. Was that a decision of, this is embarrassing, we can't get a line-out right in practice? And then in the game, in the exact same place where we were watching those line-outs, in that, that five-metre area, two, we lost, uh, Wales lost two line-outs. I'm not Welsh, but because I, I was there as a, a Welsh supporter, I feel like it's we, but I'm, I'm not Welsh. But um, no, as for the atmosphere, it was really good. And it, it, I think it's because the, the stadium was full, or almost full, the the rain was just really atmospheric. It was just lovely. The fireworks, the obviously the anthems. And a lot of the Welsh fans that I spoke to after the game said, actually, I didn't think we were going to win. They didn't think that this was going to be some miraculous mm. Wales recovery, but Alex, it was a really good day, Alex, day out. Can we please have some cold water here? <laughs> 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 we have a atmosphere from Jess. Uh, a g- g- lovely rain falling on them and making, but even that was great. Mark sees an, a large number of optimistic signs. It was about 50-odd to something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, will you get the cold water tap and turn it on, please? Uh, you weren't sitting next to that buffoon Jarvo69, were you, who ran on out of no, the crowd? No, no, I wasn't. Was. Yeah. Um, I thought... So I'll, I'll start with a with a positive, Jonesy. Don't pull that face. I thought but I thought Basham was excellent. And that when you think of where he is in the pecking order of, help, of, of open side flankers yeah. who were unavailable... Play it was his fourth cap. I was really, really impressed with him, Wainwright too, and the general spirit against against the odds. But it never felt like yeah, anything else was going to happen, mm. and mm. and it almost felt to me. You, know, you said the All Blacks weren't that good, but they didn't have to be that good. No, and when they, it was almost like when they saw Reese Priestland poke that kick through for Johnny Williams, they went, "Okay, right, we better go win this game now," mm. and just went and they just just went for it, and and they they upped the pace and and. I had a look at it back yesterday, and those three tries they scored were were classic All Blacks. I mean, it was a careless offside from Wales, penalty kick to the corner, heel around the back score, and then Bowden Barrett put two kicks right into the darkest corner of the stadium, forced clearances, and bang bang they scored from both of them. And that was um, I was looking at some stats. That that's that's the area that they're most dangerous. It goes those kick returns and penalties in the red half. It felt to me like they just well, they needed to. They brought on that bench, as you said. Some of those players, Ardi Surveyor, what a player he is. Mm. What a player he is. Rico Yuani was decent on the wing. Put it, they moved him into midfield. Moved his whole game to another level. His link play is outstanding. Um, and and Bowen Barrett was 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 just classy and 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 made all those right decisions. Uh, Mark, this day and age um, with player welfare supposedly at the top of the agenda, is it now time? Uh, this is a wider issue that mm. Wales are going to come back out next week, battered and bruised, uh, to play South Africa. Then they have to come out again to play Australia and Fiji, and nobody's fools. Is it is it now? Um, the, the sort of search for cash gone mad, still, still having four games of that intensity. Uh, 
We shouldn't have games... I'll answer it in a slightly different way. We shouldn't be having games outside of the international window, full stop. Okay? And then the debate should be about how big is the international window. And we played... You've heard me say this many, many times. I make no apologies for saying it again. We play too many games at both levels. We play too many games in club rugby, both league and Europe, and we play too many international games. And if we are because our business model is out of whack. So the response, and I understand the response, and I'm not going to be holier than thou and say if I was in the position of Steve Phillips or or anybody like that, that I wouldn't be doing exactly the same. I'd be looking at the books and going, oh my lord, I need some revenue. Because, and this is what the bit in the commentary I find very irritating that is usually absent, and there's been a lot of it absent in the last week, that the way our, our sport is organised in most countries. England and France are slightly different. The union or the governing body has to fund the whole game. And, that, that, and the money is generated almost entirely in the international game. So you have this constant tension whereby saying, right, we need to generate money and we need to allocate a percentage of the money to the three areas. We need to fund our international team for tours and payment. We need to support our professional game at regions and clubs. And we need to keep growing the grassroots in the community. And the how you... There's very, very few sports that do that. Very few that, that around the world. There, there are many sports with that model. And there's a constant tension between how much do I put into my international team to generate the the money, how much do we support the regions, because they do a lot of player development, and the one that, if we're not careful, gets neglected, is how do we ensure over a generation we still have as many kids, boys and girls, and hopefully more, playing the game. And it's a really, really difficult balance to strike. And Australia are struggling with it, New Zealand are struggling with it, Wales and are certainly struggling with it, uh, and Scotland. Um, and I have some sympathy in the short run, and I don't think you, it's reasonable to expect a single union to make that call. I think we, we have to grow up and reset our model. Alex, um, we know all about the box, so we should do by now. If, if we don't, we haven't been watching. But um, Wales have got some new blood who will be called upon to lift the whole squad. Could you see any sort of comeback win for Wales on, on Saturday? No. And the, the thing, almost to pick up on Mark's point as well, the difference between these two games in terms of expectation for Wales, I don't think are that different. But the context is so different. So that New Zealand game, and it, and it applies to all these games, it, it's, it's outside the window. It becomes about the money. It doesn't become about... You try to sell the the game and the interest in it, and it becomes about it's a transaction. It becomes about trying to raise money for for for, for needed causes, but it becomes about the money. Mm. These games inside the window, there's there's just a different aura around them. There's a different sense. I don't think Wales will bounce back and and be able to beat South Africa. Um, I think the the challenge for someone like Tane Basham will be to go up against an you know an even probably an even bigger and an even more physical back row um, and. You know, let's say Dan Bigger plays, how much can he inject into their attacking game that didn't happen on the Lions tour when they, they talked about going uh, going into those tests to play around the box, to move them, to play quickly. And as the man who, who had his finger on the trigger for that, it never happened. Um, so his return will be fascinating for me because if, if he's not going to be able to trigger them to play... I don't know whether he comes back into that starting 15 immediately. I think the, the other one, too, that I don't fit into any of those categories that makes such a difference, and I don't know whether they'll be fit, is Ken Owens going to be fit? Because they miss him. Mm. When he doesn't yeah. play, yeah, God, that makes a difference. Yeah. He, and, and, and is Alan Wynn going to be fit? Of course, yeah. Oh, right, so now, it, with that, the, those two are absolutely yeah. central to Wales's front five performance. And I keep I come back to the point about the New Zealand game in the first. Wales slipped out of that game. I take Alex's point for ten minutes. They they were outstanding in their whole. I, I don't quite buy the oh they felt we better we better pick our game up um, now that they're getting they they've just scored. I'm not quite sure I buy that. In the first half, 
They were doing what the All Blacks do. They 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 don't throw it about too much early on. They take their penalties at goals. They don't kick to the corner. Mm-hmm. They they do all that stuff. And if Wales's set piece had functioned, I know I'm not being Pollyanna here. I don't think I am. If Wales's set piece had functioned in the first half, it would have been reasonably and nothing stupid intercept was a terrible pass by Gareth Anscombe. Um, it would have been a pretty even ball game at half time. It's a different game. Okay, look, I, w- I want to move on now. There, there is a match at Twickenham. Um, England are uh, uh, coached by the ferocious, profoundly unpopular, bullying uh, Eddie Jones. Uh, that's uh, quotes from a recent article by Owen Slot. Denied by Eddie, but I thought, Alex, denied with not an awful lot of conviction. Because at one stage he said I didn't ever read the press. Then he almost sort of admitted it in his reactions. Yeah, well, don't don't do mind st- never read the press bit. Do we stand by our story that he's a bully? Well, I think I think Owen's piece was was actually it showed the argument about Eddie from both perspectives. So there are people who have played under him and worked under him who think he is a genius, who is the greatest coach they've ever worked with, ever played under his work ethic his brain the way he he has developed as a as a coach the way he leads they are inspired by him but then there are also characters coaches players who who would who used those phrases called him a bully mm-hmm. um called him cruel and um i think a lot of it comes from from your own personal experience there's no doubt i think he's both i think he is uh, runs an incredibly intense challenging difficult environment to work in but he does that because he believes that that's how you you gain your edge at at test level how you win international sport and there's no doubt he's also a deep thinker about the game studies it incredibly closely and the question is whether you can be one without the other can you be that trend-setting coach that he he aims to be without also challenging people as hard as he does and he would say, and he does say, he's a very different man to, to the... He was much more of the bully and less of the leader when he was with the Wallabies. And the people who played on him with the Wallabies would say that. But they saw in him then a coach who was innovative and uh, and and, uh, and incredibly impressive. And so what Owen summed up, I thought, in that piece was with the two sides of Eddie. And it's whether you whether you can have one without the other. The Autumn Nation series action can be heard live across the TalkSport network over the coming weeks. Don't miss the action again this weekend with four matches back-to-back on TalkSport 2, including Ireland versus Japan, England against Tonga, Wales hosting South Africa and France v Argentina. The easiest way to listen is to download the TalkSport app and swipe, tell your smart speaker to play TalkSport 2 or listen via DAB. Yes, um, just because we, we come back to ask uh, Mark and Alex about um, England. Just talk about Tonga. Now, when we think of Tonga, we think the great Pacific Island nation and um, people coming up to, to really do some damage. But in fact, this Tongan team is nothing remotely like that. It's basically all the Tongans they could find who are not under lockdown somewhere. Uh, there are people from the MLR in America. There's an Eastern Europe, someone playing in Eastern Europe. Um, they, they they put up token resistance. Is this really going to be an international match and an international occasion at, in which we can learn something about Eddie Jones in England? I don't think we learn much about Tonga against Scotland. I don't think we learn much about Scotland against Tonga either. I don't think we either team really could come away from that with any key learnings. I think it was just such a mismatch. I also don't think we can judge the England side on how they face Tonga. I don't think that we will suddenly be able to draw conclusions about whether Marcus Smith, Owen Farrell works or, or whatever combination Eddie decides to go for in the backs. I don't think that we can have any conclusion from that. So I don't think this is a game that we will learn much from. I think that the the competition is, is so low and it's the same we were saying with Wales-New Zealand was that a match that anyone learned anything? If you take everything, strip everything back, it, talk mm-hmm. about it being a cash cow, whatever. But if you just have the game of rugby, did anyone learn anything from that? Is Did, did any manager decide what they were going to do based on that match? No. And I think we're going to have the same conversation next week oh, uh, with okay. England. I have to, have to say for Scotland, in terms of um, who, who shone, uh, I thought Blair Kinghorn at, uh, Kinghorn at 10 was good. 
Uh, Darcy Graham was at good fullback. Um, Tupolotto, the new Tongan centre of no place to Scotland, was um, w w was also good. Mark, there's a very interesting statistic from that. Scotland scored ten tries, mm. only one of which was scored by any a bloke born in Scotland. <laughs> is that uh, is that a sad thing? One I, out of ten. Was I, I think by I think we're probably seeing the back end of of the three year qualification rule. Which I think most people in the game, certainly myself, and would be part of that group, said that was way too short a period to qualify for a country which previously you did not qualify for. I think I've been again. Uh, I've said for many years it should be seven years, and I've also said hmm. that we should. What the bit we should relax is the players who are captured by playing a couple of games for yeah. the under twenties mm. or whatever it might be. I think they have changed that a bit, to be fair. Um, and and that is ridiculous. That Charles Piertau, maybe not quite now, but certainly the peerless King Charles of three seasons ago yeah. wasn't playing. Uh, uh, international rugby was was just a terrible indictment on the game, and if if that's what our regulations uh, create, we should bloody well change the regulations. Well, they they did, but then they extended them because they found some way that COVID was yeah. was was disadvantaging people. <laughs> so of course, then the Scots get another ten non, non Scots. It's, it's, it's to at least have Lepetti Tamano, who's won, yes, who's gone the won, other way. Yeah, the yeah, the yeah he has. Who qualified alongside Malachi Fekitoa through the sevens? Fekitoa is now injured, yeah, yeah. so he sadly won't be at, at Twickenham. But at least there, there is a, a, a slow. I move. think it's going to get better. It's not going to be great for tired yeah, props okay. having to go I through the sevens get program, though, is it? I, I think the point Jess made about what what can Eddie do, well, or what, it's the, what can Eddie do with it with a with with a team that although I understand they're getting as a load of guys coming from the French league this weekend, but it, look, it's not going to be a particularly strong Tongan team. I I really hope. Because I think this is a complete waste of time. I really hope he doesn't just, you know, throw the kids in, throw in the bottom half of the squad. I don't see any point in that at all. You won't learn, as Jess said. Mm. I don't think you'll learn much about a player playing against a, 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 a weakened Tongan team at home. What you can get from it, and, you know, they are only playing three games, is better cohesion. I'd pick me mm. full on first yeah. choice, play them. Yeah. See how it goes. Look at the partnerships. Probably play them again the week after, and then see where we are. Just, just uh, one thing I should have said before we leave Scotland, and that was we should um, uh, pay a, a, a really brief tribute to the great Sandy Carmichael, who died mm. last week. Fantastic uh, player uh, and prop. Uh, probably this, the 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 most horrendous photograph ever taken in rugby when he was apparently punched twenty times in the scrum in the Lions against Canterbury in 1971 and looked like a, a panda, but he's a really, really nice man and he's actually born in Scotland as well. We shouldn't forget that. Mark, um, um, your former club's fly half is not short of publicity. Um, it seems like Eddie's decided that he's in for three games. Is that how you would have done it? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have. I think I said last time we were on... Uh, or I was on this esteemed show. Um, I, I, they wouldn't be my 8, 9, 10, 12 combination but yeah. you know we've all we've all got a view and um i think he's pretty set on giving marcus smith a run um and i hope i think he is a, 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 a i think he is a generational talent and um i i do hope it goes well for him i hope people don't read too much good or bad into tonga mm. <laughs> frankly um i don't think they should read too much into the first couple of games either i mean you can't play the way he plays at elite club level and not be worth a run international level. It, 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 it's just impossible to argue that. So I, I just I would just like to see him with a different style of twelve. But he's mm -hmm. Eddie's absolutely nailed his colours to the mast. Farrell, mm -hmm. Farrell's his captain. If he's going to play Marcus Smith. I mean, Farrell has to play at twelve. Is that, I think just, is that is, sorry. Is that just dogmatic saying this is my captain, so therefore he's going to be there? Never, almost like never mind who I play at ten. Farrell's going to be there because there are people who who would suggest that those two are just not a partnership. I think so because I don't think that Farrell is the player to play off Smith. I think that Smith needs someone who will be a, a lot more dynamic, and Farrell just isn't that player. And I think that's also mm. why. Uh, George Ford hasn't hasn't made the the squad. 
I do subscribe to the the thing about this being a fresh start for England and it's a it's a chance to to play a new style of rugby but I don't think that Eddie Jones is subscribed to that view. I don't think that he really wants that. And I think that's why Ben Youngs and Owen Farrell are, so, are, are seen mm. as staples of the the squad or at least in in some parts because they are they are they're his kind of ears on the ground his mouth on the ground. He's the they're the players who will really try and mm. get that old guard st- style of rugby. I think Owen Farrell is captain. I understand like the leadership that he has, and I think that he has always been that that voice, Freddie. But I'm not sure that he deserves his place in the squad now. If we're changing the style of rugby, his inclusion to me just tells me that this isn't the 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 brand new England 2.0 that everyone seems to be saying it is. For me, Owen Farrell being in there means we will be sticking to more regimented style of play. That's the end of you on Owen Farrell's Christmas card list, Jess. <laughs> Alex, last, give us the last one. Uh, I was just going to say on, well, on, on Farrell, he's picked for more than just how he's playing on the field at the moment. Mm. And he, Eddie's nailed his colours to that mast and, and he will therefore have to adapt how England play in order to have him in the, in the team. He sees Farrell as the, as the standard setter uh, around that around that camp, and that's yeah. why he's there. Yeah, Count, accountability standards, yeah, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and just but on 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 the commitment to Marcus Smith is highlighted to me by George Ford not being there because it, if Ford's there, who, who he's played brilliantly, best he's played for years, absolutely. But if he's there, Smith has to find find a way to sit around the same table as Ford and Farrell, mm. who would in always dominate that that gameplay conversation because they have done for five six years under Eddie that's how Eddie set the whole thing and up and the best friends and uh, yeah and if you, but if you remove George from that you are giving Marcus Smith the ownership of not only the jersey but the responsibility to help set that that attacking framework so that's why I go back to you know will he start all three games this is I think he's not only just going to pick him but he's actually trying to promote him into that that leadership Set up as well. I'll go on to something else you said the other week, uh, Mark. But um, we've got Ireland, Japan, also we've got France, Argentina, we've got Italy, New Zealand, which could be fairly brutal. Scotland, Australia. Uh, are we looking to that to be one of the few games this weekend, uh, Alex? That's going to be quite tight because some of these games you could be talking avalanches. Yeah, I'm. I don't know whether I'm. I'm fascinated by that game because Australia had have made great strides in the last four rounds of the rugby championship mm. but three of the key players who helped them yeah. with, with that turnaround are, are absent and that's another debate about regulation nine club v country etc etc but Quay Cooper's not there Samu Karevi's not there and Sean McMahon's not there and, and 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 that changes everything they're bringing in um, Curtly Beale from Paris he hasn't played test rugby for two years um, so I, I think it's a fascinating uh, I think it's a fascinating test because I, I just don't know how Australia. There's a real danger for me that they'll they'll regress because those, particularly the the, the ten twelve there, were were so integral to, to their success at the back end. Of- Karevi completely yeah. changed Australia yeah. in the in the rugby championship. I know one guy doesn't make a team, right? But but he got over the gain line against South Africa and they scored four tries and they won two in a row against the world champions which they hadn't done and desperately needed and, and he's not he's not there and I don't it's interesting because <laughs> it isn't actually reg nine it's not um Japan are playing how can it be reg nine Japan are actually playing all the Japanese clubs have released yeah. their Japanese players mm. as far as I understand it the, that decision was made by the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the one that also people like Mar- Marika Korobiti, who's who's yeah, a yeah. who's a, a, a top class international wing, ex Melbourne Storm, but nevertheless, <laughs> did you sign him <laughs> from you from West Tigers? Um, was he but, worth the money though? Well, we, we got him on minimum wage. Yes, he was worth the money. <laughs> um, it, he was in second. He was in the second. He was on second. He was on second grade. He couldn't make the West Tigers team. Um, He's staying at home. He's got a new child, and, and and fine. So actually, as I understand it, those four decisions are actually more the players' decision. I don't think we can stick this one to the Japanese clubs because yeah. uh, um, I don't think the Japanese clubs would breach Regulation no, it's, Nine. It, it's a complicated situation because when yeah. they, when those 
Japanese clubs signed those three players, Australia's policy was not to select them from abroad. Now, Australia actually entered into negotiations with those clubs, which, in terms of Regulation 9, they they weren't required to. No. But they they did, and Dave Rennie said that the players felt compelled to stay. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, the the season in Japan doesn't start all January. I know, they're only there for three seasons. (laughs) There's something something on about individual players. But look, I just want to move on quickly, because um, as a true professional, last evening I spent... Um, what catching up on the on the Premiership Gallagher Premiership? Now, I have to say that I enjoyed the the, the games I saw more than any other game I saw this weekend. Actually, I will I will accept the Red Roses against the Black Ferns because I thoroughly enjoyed that. Mark, for a start, um, you said last week I think it was on Twitter, what a crying shame it is that a round which included three fantastic derbies mm. should be almost submerged. But actually, the three games I saw were excellent and. Quinn's, uh, Quinn Saracens was tremendous with an unbelievably uh, good conclusion. Some other, other excellent results. Worcester, um, uh, a hammer in sale, really. I, I know that these teams had were, were denuded. And then Leicester, frighteningly, uh, 55-26 over Saints. Isn't it a shame that this was, this was submerged in the sort of news agenda for this week? Uh, desperate. I mean... I I I went to Quinn's Saracens because you know I hadn't had enough rugby for the weekend up to that <laughs> point, and um, you know it was a it was a sellout, and um, I think actually Quinn's will c- take a lot away from that, um, uh, and, and a wonderful goal kicking performance from Maslazowski. What an underrated player he is! Um, what a, how, how what a talent that he can play anywhere. Um, but that doesn't take on my central point, which is we should not be making these compromises across the sport, you know. And I know it's not easy and all the rest of it, but we've been going 25 years now. It really should not be on the wit of man to be able to, to work out something that... All right, let's not be completely naive. Not completely eliminates the overlap, mm. but but makes it far far less than it than than it than it is at the moment. I mean, doesn't negate your point, Steve. I watched um, some highlights and and I watched the Gloucester um, Exeter game, which I thoroughly enjoyed on the weekend uh, on Friday night. Gloucester should have won that, and that was a that was a that was a chance gone missing. Um, they, they have too many of those. I'm afraid they, they do. Won. Exeter still quite, aren't quite clicking um but quins who played without a fly half for you know 50 minutes um scored three decent tries saracens did their thing they accelerate they just accelerate in the last third don't they don't do anything in the first two thirds and then just bang on switch like doing switch they do it really well um i thought the warriors were great and leicester four just good job i got money on them to win it they are looking very, very impressive, and their squad is so strong. Jess, not even you can be in th- three games at once, but do you share the, <laughs> the sense of loss that, you know, that these games are, uh, were not even featured to a certain, certain extent? Absolutely. I mean, we were talking about what a, a rugby weekend we've all had and all the games that we've watched, and I didn't get a chance. I haven't watched the Harlequin Saracens match yet, but normally that would be the number one match that mm. I'd want to watch yeah, on, sure. a, on a weekend. Sure. So that's really... Sad, isn't it? Because we had all, all the, these huge games to watch anyway. But no, it was fantastic weekend in the Prem, wasn't it? And really pleased to see that Leicester have just absolutely exploded this season. Seven from seven, eight points clear at the top now. It's just, yeah, it's, a, it's great. Yeah, frightening from Leicester. I just Mark- think that Mark's hit the nail on the head with how teams can be... Um, become profitable because do what he did at the Melbourne Rebels and don't pay people <laughs> I just got a question Al- Al- Alex so, what, yeah, go ahead. so this weekend a question for Mark really from your experience mm. as a chief exec and, and the fixture list so the, all games are equal in the sense they all they can, you win the mm. same number of points but from the perspective of, of the league an East Midlands derby particularly with the two teams going as they're going has a, has a cachet has a, you know, will attract people both East Midlands derbies have been scheduled for international windows. And season. both London derbies. And both London derbies. Quinn Saracens are playing the return in the Six Nations. So does, no, does, I'm not. Does no, no one, I'm not. Does no one at the league or any of those clubs go, hang on a minute, well, can't we... Yeah. Th- these, are, these are marquee fixtures for this yeah. competition. 
can't we just schedule this slightly I, I, differently? I can't answer that. But, I but totally agree, Alex. It's... You'd think so. But, I, mean, I don't want to be overly critical because I don't know the detail. And well, when I you were there, would you enter that. into conversations about a fixture no, schedule? No, no, that was always done in the just middle. Just presented always, to you. We, you. You were able to do things like, you know, when we created the big game, on, but that's that's in the fixture list now. That's yeah. not yeah. going to move. But you see, our whole argument was, we don't mind who we play. We're, we're not creating an event for a... We're not creating a derby. It's not like the old London doubleheader. We're creating a big event and we'll play any of them. We yeah, don't care. Cool. You know, so that that doesn't impinge on your flexibility yeah. uh, at all. Now, the, the the schedule is done in the middle. Make 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 no mistake. And you know, you I just we just have too many overlaps. And it, yes, I'm sure you could mitigate that to a degree, but it's still going to be a typically mm. English fudged compromise mm. that that we really should be more ambitious in my view it's too many overlaps um, Mark I think that summarised everything you said so so beautifully there and you, you're quite right ok uh, the man of the moment we're just about to speak to the Red Roses head coach Simon Middleton as you're listening to me Daisy Apple's iPhone disassembly robot is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts that's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We're now going over to the man who's now a leading contender to be prime minister and uh, <laughs> the head of the um, European community, even though we're no longer in it and possibly has the solution to global warming because he has the solution to New Zealand rugby in a fantastic occasion uh, in Exeter yesterday. Uh, Simon, um, you're not noted as a man of histrionic gesture, but deep down you must have been thrilled by so much of what you saw yesterday. Thanks <laughs> for that introduction. Yeah, I, I, absolutely delighted. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's always a massive challenge when you're, you're going to play the Black Ferns and, and I think given everything that was thrown into the occasion uh, you know, sort of off the back of COVID and everything and, and getting the crowds back in the stadium, we just really wanted to to perform well and you know and, and put a show on for, for the audience but also you know because of the dynamics of our team has changed quite a bit so that being our coaching team we, we wanted to see where we were at and uh, yeah we, we, we did okay we did okay you, you singled out Zoe Harrison uh, it's not easy to come in as, as you said uh, several times um, um, to, to take the place of a legend in Kate Daly McLean but um, she just sort of seemed to handle it physically and mentally yeah 100% and and I think you know uh, I think the physical bit that you just touched on was, was a real key bit as well because uh, you know the, the New Zealand uh, sort of did quite a bit of damage to us when we played them in the Super Series uh, in San Diego in 2019 they really attacked our 10 channel and got a lot of sort of a lot of joy out of that so we knew they'd come down there and that, that place is a bit of a psychological burden on on you before you even start, and then when you bought on the other things that she's got to do, I thought she handled that that side of it really well, and uh, and you know she, I think she gained a lot of confidence from her, her defensive display, and uh, and that sort of fed into into her, her attacking and her decision making. But yeah, she, she she stepped right up yesterday. She was fantastic. Simon, what do you think we can improve now ahead of next week? Obviously facing them again, Franklin's Gardens. What what are you looking to improve this week? I, I mean, I mean, one of the things we will do. We'll have 
our day, our day will be very much about review today. So, the, so I want to put a few things to the players and, and get their thoughts on it. But some of the things we've you know, reflect, reflected on immediately as a coaching group and in the in the backs and forwards meetings this morning, from a forwards point of view, just some of the detail about the particular around the mall, uh, you know, and just how we can be a little bit more clinical in, in how we set the mall up. Uh, so, so there's there's immediate detail there that should translate into hopefully it'll be a bit, a bit more clinical. When we get into their uh, into their 22, and we've, we've opportunities to drive, you know, drive and score, uh, you know, and then from a back point of view, probably a little bit of a little bit of awareness uh, in terms of using the space on the edge a little bit a little bit quicker, getting the ball into that space a little bit quicker. Uh, but I think you know the the, the thing we, we probably want to talk about as a team tonight is is you know what what do we expect platforms to do, mm. so we can. You know, we can second guess, we can counter a little bit what their thought process may be, and we 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 only showed a little bit of what we've got sort of uh, yesterday. So you know, then you look at other things. You go, well, if they do this, we can potentially look at that. Uh, so there's there's a whole host of things, uh, but the majority of it will, you know, I talk about what the Black Ferns might do, but the majority will revolve about our processes, isn't it? Very much a case of improving stuff we've got in place. Uh, which there's plenty of room to do. Alex, Alex Lowe. Simon, I know on, on the field your your kind of ultimate focus is, is the World Cup in, in New Zealand. I just wonder, I'd be fascinated to know your thoughts on, on on the women's game in general in the sense of the RFU have put together a, a, an ambitious World Cup bid for, for 2025, which is vastly more, uh, on a vastly greater scale than, than when the World Cup was here in, in 2010. These games are attracting great crowds. They're live on, on BBC television. The, the, the women's international game in particular has moved on enormously, hasn't it, in, in a pretty short space of time? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and you, know, you, you look at the quality of the, some, of, some of the games that are being produced now. Uh, and, you know, I think on any given day, there's probably four or five sides who can really challenge each other and, and probably get the better of each other. I think 2019 in San Diego was a great proving ground. You know, you had, you had the, the, the five best sides in the world uh, and they all beat each other and nobody won all the games. And that's, that, that's, that's not really been done previously. And then obviously what happened with COVID sort of stifled the international game a little bit. But if we can pick up where we were there, then you know it, it all bodes well, and uh, for a, for a fantastic World Cup next year, and then you know an absolutely sensational one, hopefully you know in England in 2025. Uh, but I think there's some work to do. You know, some of the other international uh, governing bodies have got to, you know, they, they've got to get behind the women's game, like the RFU got behind the game, and like fans get behind their game, and New Zealand, and you know, and bring and you know and, and commit to developing that side of it. So you know, we really do get a globally. Uh, competitive sort of uh, international game. So, uh, Simon, do you think you found the, the home of the team now in the sense that it, the home is is kind of movable because you know you, you you're putting it out to clubs and 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 they are they are promoting and they're dragging people in and they're producing a great atmosphere. It seems that Northampton will be the same sort of scene as it was at Exeter. Do you think you've found, you've, you've almost found your home and it, by taking it on the road? Uh, yeah, I, I think in terms of, you know, we talk about being a bit nomadic. I think in terms of developing a, the game and taking the, the game to a next level, then unquestionably, you know, it, it, it was a little bit of a long time coming before we got on the road. Uh, but the appetite for it is phenomenal. And, uh, you know, it seems everywhere we go now, you know, we're getting close to sellout stadiums. And, and I think this, this selection of venues that we've got for the Ormond Internationals is absolutely spot on. Uh, you know, we take it into the, the heartland of a, you know, a lot of rugby places and, and you know, I think put it, giving the initiative to the clubs to sell, you know, it, it's sort of following the French model in, in, in many ways. And when you play in France, you know you're playing in a test match. And the pride they take in filling the stadium and delivering the product is there to be seen. And, you know, and that's great that we've, you know, we've learned some of those lessons and we're taking that on board. And that's, you know, that's the route we've gone down. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think necessarily the, the nomadic bit uh, helps us in terms of uh, our training. At times, and that's one of the things that we're going to be looking at. You know, one of the things when we review back after this whole period, you know, how did being on the road impact on on training? Because it, sure. it does make you adaptable, adaptable. It does make you resilient, but at times it doesn't lend itself to best preparation. So we will look at you know 
do we do we base ourselves in one place continually and then move mm-hmm. a couple of days before uh, as opposed to you know move the week spend a whole week there and there'll be pluses and minuses for both just a quick one from jess before we've got a final question jess yeah, so New Zealand really seemed to struggle at the set piece in that game. Um, can we judge the Black Ferns on the performance yesterday? Is there any, you know, they're going to change before the, the World Cup? What are you expecting next week and in the, the year preparation now to, to the World Cup? I, I th- I, look, I, I think there'll be, a, you know, there'll, there'll be a reaction next week for, for absolute sure. You know, that was, uh, that, that, they'll be hurting uh, from yesterday. Uh, but, but you know we, we we know that, and as I say, we can we can do things better, and that's what we'll certainly aim to do. But I think you know you also have to look at some of the personnel that that they did they did have missing there. There's a lot of debutants uh, available to the, to them yesterday, and they were missing some key, some some key people key, key people who are with them, and some key people who were injured. Uh, and then I think you also have to take into account their schedule and the environment they've come to, and the environment they've come into. That must be pretty stressful for them. So this is you know, this is a really brave tour for them, and and they should be applauded for it. And it's brilliant to see them back on the field because you know, the women's rugby needs the, the world champions on the field playing. So you know, but they've uh, you know it's tough. It's tough, and it's come from a COVID-free environment into a, a environment where we're you know mm-hmm. we're handling it very differently. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of mental as well as physical strain on the players. Uh, but I think that the longer the tour goes on, the more they'll settle and the stronger they'll get. Uh, and obviously next year they're going to be at home in the World Cup. And that will be very, very different. Uh, but it'll be a different type of pressure for them as well, won't it? You know, being a home World Cup is fantastic in many ways, but it's how you handle it. Uh, and, you know, the, the, then it's up to us to travel to the other side of the world and see how we handle it. So I think the dynamics will be really different next year. And I, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't judge the, the platforms on what we saw yesterday. Definitely not, not judge them completely by any stretch. Uh, I think it'll be a different animal next week. Finally, it'll continue to be. Finally, Simon, the, 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 there was a great sense of joy around yesterday. You could see the, the players were, were joyous at, after the game, their families, the fans, everyone was on TV. It was just a fantastic feeling. Have you had to play Mr. Grumpy this week? No, I've gone the other way. I'm, 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 right, I'm bothered with this enjoying thing. After the last two years, everybody's that you should be enjoying life. You know, as we <laughs> um, and no, I, I like that. You always have to find out. As your team gener- uh, sort of evolves, you get different characters, a new generation of players coming through. They respond differently. You know, I, I have to evolve probably more than anybody. Because I'm so much older than everybody, sadly. But uh, you know, I've always said it's my job to go to the players in terms of the mentality, not the other way around. And uh, I, I, I've been, you know, I've been playing Mr. Happy this way. Will the Deeks is Mr. Serious, and uh, and then we, you know, we we sort of play off each other. But the, the girls have driven so much of this week, and it's mm-hmm. been a pleasure working with them and seeing how they go. It's just a case of making sure you support them. Uh, and, and you're there for them, and you, and you allow them to grow and keep going and keep developing. Uh, so no, it's it's been a, it's been a good camp, a really good camp this week, and it was reflected yesterday. And I agree with you. I thought the atmosphere was just sensational yesterday. At the end, it was an absolute privilege to be there. Simon, well, congratulations on on a brilliant result, and um, for you and the team, and also a brilliant blow for uh, or striking the blow for, for for women's rugby wherever it may be. Uh, Simon Middleton, thank you. And coming up next are Gods and Goddesses of the Week. Uh, right, first for the God of the Week, Alex Lowe. So I, I was going to pick Sebu Reese, the All Blacks wing, for, for one moment really. Um, just in front of us, Will Jordan scored that incredible try, which I thought was a, a wonderful piece of individual skill. But on the far side of the field, Sebu Reese. Uh, popped up with with two brilliant interchanges of passes with with Ioani Surveyor got off the floor in the middle of it having been taken down uh, it was just a wonderful moment some brilliant attacking skill and so he of all the the, the star men on that day I'm just going to pick him for for that one moment one vote for several several Reese Mark Evans I, I can't help it but I'm a Premiership junkie and I, and I hate the way that Premiership rugby gets relegated at, at, during the international season I just drives me nuts so uh, and, and there are so many candidates over the weekend George Ford is playing out of his skin and the dolo for Leicester is just a monster 
Um, I thought the young kid, I've got his name, uh, Harding at Bristol. Um, Fitz Harding, he not he is going to be a real player. They're number eight. He is absolutely terrific. I really enjoyed watching him. And there was loads of players. Quinn Saracens were, was, was a really high-quality game. Lazowski was fantastic. But I'm going to go to what the, the, the result that really I enjoyed the most. They've taken a pile of stick this year. Why they get quite so much stick when they've got as many points as Sale, who, by the way, I could go on about, isn't... That isn't, hasn't become a story yet. That's a really poor start for Sale under Alex, who I think is a wonderfully um, sort of gifted coach. That, I, he must be getting a bit worried by that. That's that's a number of defeats now against them. And they're not anyway. But I thought Worcester. I've watched most of that game. Um, they're not. It wasn't. They didn't do it horribly. They played some beautiful, beautiful stuff. They really did. And uh, Van der Mer finally got his act together and put something on the shirt for the money. But Jamie Shilcott at fullback was wonderful scored two made another one pace acceleration Jamie Shilcott they don't get enough attention when they play well the the, the bottom clubs and he's my god of the week that's fine we thought you were going to go for the top 100 there at one stage but <laughs> you've got to give got to give the premiership some profile this time of year absolutely. Steve I know absolutely Jamie Shilcott <laughs> Jess just on Worcester having a good game, I think that it's worth mentioning that it was the first round of the Premier 15's Allianz Cup this weekend. It's the first round ever. Uh, and Worcester beat Saracens 17-0, which was a, a quite a big shock. That was mm. yesterday. Um, and there were there were four, four games uh, in this round. I am going to stick to my, my roots as a women's rugby player and go with Abby Ward. Two tries in 17 minutes and a line-out menace. She was fantastic all around the pitch, creating space, creating opportunities, doing things that a forward shouldn't do, as always. So she is my Goddess of the Week nomination. OK, that's another good one. So we've got several Roos, Jamie Shawcock and Abby Ward. Mine is... Uh, Mark will be proud of me. I'm going to stay at the Premiership. Alex Lazowski, I've always rated. Uh, I'm old enough to have sat next to his father at the post-match dinner when his father won his first cap. And um, James, he's a tremendous player. He succeeded in France. Uh, he's come back, looks to the manor born at Saracens, and uh, the so-called bully, will he pick him or will he not, because he des Alex Lazowski deserves to be in. Thanks a million. I think we range over a million to one topics then, most of them in uh, Mark's choice of... Um, of God of the Week but um, <laughs> thank you very much we'll be back next week we'll have more Premiership but we'll also have more of the Autumn International so to Jess Mark and Alex Lowe thank you for listening everybody VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen VoiceOver on settings so you can navigate it just by listening books Contacts. Calendar. Double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.